Mm-hmm. Well, the dog. Get you to give me a hand for a minute, huh? Am I feeling better? Yes, yes I am. Thank you. You're better than I deserve. Doug. For the Doug. I give you a give me a hand, please. Bolt two hands, actually. Thank you, sir. Also, uh, if you have if you were not here two weeks ago, I think it was the first lesson we did on what hinders us from prayer. If you'd like a lesson sheet, I do have an extra one, some extra ones here. Um, anybody did not get one of these? Gabriel, I don't think you were here. By the way, uh, today, we, Melody and I, became official Wyomingites. I guess that's what you call us. We were able to get our driver's license today, and so we are fully-fledged Wyoming residents now. Yes, exactly. Before I get into the lesson, I was just thinking of something. Turn to Psalm 150. Psalm 150. I'm very thankful to be able to, to breathe today, um, somewhat normally. And I do have my, my handy-dandy finger thing here, just in case I need to check to see how my oxygen is doing. And then I have my handy-dandy tank here. And Doug, if you need a whiff, you just help yourself, okay? Yeah. Pure oxygen? Just pure oxygen. With nothing else? Nothing added. No, ad- no additives. All natural. It's organic. Psalm 150. Praise ye the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in the firmament of His power. Praise Him for His mighty acts. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise Him with the psaltery and harp. Praise Him with the timbrel and dance. Praise Him with stringed instruments and organs. Praise Him upon the loud cymbals. Praise Him upon the high-sounding cymbals. Everybody look up here just for a moment. And I want you to watch me very carefully, okay? I'm going to do something, and I want you to see if you know what I'm doing. I'm what? I'm breathing. You notice the next verse? Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. And that's why I'm glad this evening that I can breathe. It's hard when you can't breathe. But praise the Lord, I can breathe. And, and all of us, we all have the breath of life in us and we can praise the Lord, can't we? Regardless of what's going on in our lives, regardless of how we feel, regardless of the circumstances of life, the trials, the discouragements, the disappointments, all of these things, we can still praise the Lord. And I'll be the first to admit, sometimes that's hard. Sometimes that's still hard. We can talk about it. We can preach about it. But doing it is something different, Brother Tim. Amen. 
All right. Well, in our first lesson, we looked at uh, what hinders us from prayer. And just real quickly, we said that um, there are certain things that hinder us from prayer. The iniquity of our hearts, of course, uh, because of unconfessed sin, uh, because of unbelieving heart, uh, because of unreasonable requests, uh, because of an unforgiving spirit. And then secondly, there's the ignorance of our minds. Uh, that also hinders us from praying. Because sometimes we just don't know what to pray about. And then we don't know how to pray. Why the, Lord, uh, the disciples of the Lord said, Lord, teach us to pray. And then we don't pray according to God's will. Uh, we pray, but we bring our petitions before the Lord. We bring our shopping list to Him. And say, Lord, this is what, what, I, what I want today. And uh, would you... Uh, uh, would, you, would you give me these things? Would you, would you answer these prayers? And then the third thing is the infirmities of our minds. So there's the iniquity of our hearts, the ignorance of our minds, the infirmities of our bodies. When we're tired, uh, or we're, 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 we are weary, or we're sick, sometimes that's hard to pray. These old bodies, they, they, I'll tell you what, they, they demand a lot of us. What does that verse say? I am fearfully wonderfully made and that my soul knoweth right well and our bodies are wonderful God has created them <clears throat> and then when we are tested and tried sometimes that uh, hinders us from praying also when we are troubled and perplexed and then the last thing was the importance of prayer and uh, we, we contrasted the, uh, the, the, the widow woman you remember she came to the judge and uh, uh, she petitioned him over and over again she was persistent until she got what she wanted. But we, uh, uh, prayer was contrasted with fainting. The widow was contrasted with God's children. And then thirdly, the unjust judge was contrasted with a just and a faithful Heavenly Father. And uh, so that was, that was our previous lesson. All right. Tonight we're going to look at 1 Timothy chapter 2. 1 Timothy and uh, chapter 2. I'm sure this is a very familiar passage for all of us. First Timothy chapter 2, and we're going to read 1 through 5. Okay? <clears throat> As a... Uh, the Apostle Paul is writing to his young son in the faith, Timothy. He says, I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good, and it's acceptable in the sight of God our, our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Let's open up in prayer. Father, we thank you for this time together. Thank you for the day you've given us, for blessing us, for letting us breathe your air and for providing all of our need. And I pray now for uh, liberty to uh, bring this lesson tonight. I pray it will make a difference in all of our lives and uh, that we'll 
examine this matter of what happens when churches pray. We'll thank you for it. Thank you for those who come tonight. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So how do, you, uh, how do you measure the spiritual temperature of a church? If you were looking for a church, I know recently the Lord brought in many new people here to this church. Uh, and it's wonderful. It's great. I think it ought to, uh, we all would be excited about what God's doing here. But I wonder, what, what is it that people are looking for? When, they, when you look for a church, what are you looking for? How do you measure the temperature, <clears throat> the spiritual temperature of that church? that you are examining. You know, during most of... Um, uh, Gabriel, I take it you like to read? Sure. I noticed last week you mentioned Spurgeon. That caught me by surprise. <laughs> Many people never heard of him, especially like in England. They've never heard of Spurgeon. But during most of Spurgeon, uh, his ministry, the weekly prayer meeting uh, of the Metropolitan Tabernacle in London, England, where he pastored for 38 years was held on a Monday evening. They didn't have Wednesday night services. They had a Bible study, a prayer meeting. It was on a Monday evening between 7 and 8.30. He regarded the prayer meeting as the thermometer of the church. I don't know if pastor has shared this illustration before. It's a good one. Maybe you've heard it. But uh, it was obvious to all that the spiritual temperature of his church was very high as more than 3,500 people would attend those Monday evening prayer meeting services. Can you imagine that? This was in, in London. Spurgeon would often give one or two very brief messages during the service. And then usually seven or eight designated men would lead in prayer through the service. Someone who attended the church wrote this account, quote, Eight brethren had spoken with the Lord on our behalf. Five hymns had been sung and several short addresses given. And the hour and a half were gone all too quickly. Isn't that amazing? Could it be that many Christians today are so cold because prayer is no longer the thermometer of their church? Or their life. It's sad that the spiritual temperature of many churches is low uh, because they no longer even have prayer meetings. Now, I don't know how many churches there are in Cheyenne. I know there are quite a few. But I wonder how many of them are having a prayer meeting tonight. Any kind of a service, a Bible study. Um, you see, folks, their thermometer has ceased to function. So what are the signs of a Christian or a church where prayer has ceased to be the thermometer of their spiritual life? Well, first of all, you'll see on your, note, on your notes there, that the practice of prayer has been discontinued. Hmm. Many churches have discontinued their weekly prayer meetings. You know why? Because they're out of fashion. Who needs to have a prayer meeting? Some churches have replaced the prayer meetings with programs and other activities. Bingo night. Can you think of something else that maybe is going on? Sports. Sports, activities. Big, big deal there. I mean, yeah, huh? Youth groups. Which is not wrong, 
It's not bad. It's just that those things have taken priority over the actual prayer meeting and study of God's Word. Now, uh, the reason the New Testament churches had power and they accomplished so much is because they prayed. Let me give you a couple examples. Acts 2.42. Melody, would you read that, please? Would you mind reading? Yeah, I can read. Acts 4.31. You can read? Good. Mm-hmm. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. They did all those things. They continued in those things. But they also continued in the matter of prayer. Praying. Acts 4.31. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all Wow, isn't that amazing? Have you ever been? <clears throat> have you ever been in a service where the place shook, <laughs> yeah. where God's power was just so strong? That's what happened here. I remember one time, and we were stationed in Iceland many, many years ago, back in the seventies, and uh, we were ministering to the military community there and having services in our living room. And I remember one night we heard a message, and. Um, let me back up just a minute. You probably never heard of her, but there was a woman by the name of Jeannie Dixon. I think that was her name. And she was uh, like, a medium. like a medium, you know, soothsayer, whatever. She predicted things. <clears throat> and she predicted that Iceland was going to have a big earthquake and fall into the ocean. Well, there are thousands of earthquakes every single day in Iceland. But on this particular night, we were having services. I remember we were praying, and we had just heard the message. We just extended an invitation, and the place began to shake. I mean, it was shaking. And I want you to know that people were hitting the floor on their knees all over our living room there. And we sensed God's power that day. I mean, it was physical, but it was also spiritual, because out of that, several folks... Trusted Christ as their Savior. Yeah. God shook, shook, them, shook them up. And that's what happened here. <clears throat> you know, one day, one day a preacher asked uh, Spurgeon for a tour of the Metropolitan Tabernacle uh, just prior to the service. And so Spurgeon showed the great auditorium with its balcony uh, surrounding the platform. Did you ever go to Spurgeon's Tabernacle, Brother Jerry? You've been there. It's not the original one, but still there. He then asked the preacher <clears throat> if he wanted to see the church's heating plant. Well, they descended into the basement and then Spurgeon opened the door to a room where there were 100 people gathered who were praying for that morning's service. I know we have a prayer room downstairs and there are some who pray. I don't think there's ever been 100 people down there praying. But wouldn't that be something? Wouldn't that be something? Pardon? Five people. Yeah. You know, if if our church, if our church, if Yellowstone Baptist Church, 
is to accomplish anything for God, we must be a praying church. That's the bottom line. Because the local, listen, the local churches rises or falls with its praying. Last week we had some dear friends with us. You met them, the Kellys, Jim and Loretta. Met them years ago in an RV park. Became friends and we've kept in touch all these years. And last week, during the service and when we went downstairs in the prayer room, man, he said to me afterward, he said, I've never been in a service like this where prayer was emphasized so much. Isn't that great? Isn't that great that, that this church is becoming known as a praying church? It's supposed to be a lighthouse. We're a lighthouse here. But we're also to be a praying church. Arthur, author, 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 author and former pastor, uh, Warren Wiersbe, he's with the Lord now. But he once said this, everything rises and falls on the prayer life of the local church. Everything. That's how important it is. So <clears throat> there is this matter of the practice of prayer has been discontinued. We said that what are the signs of a Christian or church where prayer ceased to be the thermometer of the spiritual life? The practice of prayer has been discontinued. Second, the person praying has been disqualified. The person praying has been disqualified. Now, did you know there could, can be times when it's wrong to pray? That God will not answer your prayers in certain conditions? You say, Brother, Brother Escalera, what do you mean? Well, I'm glad you asked. When a church, when a Christian or a church cease to pray, they become disqualified to receive God's blessings. And there are two reasons for a person to be disqualified. First of all, because there's not a right relationship with God. You need to have a right relationship. You cannot expect God to answer your prayers unless you're in fellowship with Him. 1 John 1, verse 3. Violet, would you read that, please? And then I'm going to ask Doug if you'll read 1 John 1, 9. And uh, Brother Tim, if you'll read Psalm 66, 18. Brother Jerry, if you'll read Proverbs 28, verse 9, please. All right. 1 John 1, 3. 1 John 1, 3. 1, 3. Uh-huh. Oh, I'm sorry, that's Violet. Sorry, Violet. Okay, First John 1, 3. I'll get it. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. All right. So, God will, uh, we can't expect the Lord to answer our prayers if we're not in fellowship with Him. Uh, first of all, or, or because there's not a right relationship with God, but then also because they're, because of rebellion. Rebellion is present in our life. God cannot and He will not answer our prayer when sin is present in our lives or in our church. First John 1 John 1.9 If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know what that word all means? Everything. It means everything. It means everything. All. Psalm 66.18 Oh, did you hear that? Yeah. If I have, if I regard iniquity, if I have sin in my life, God's not going to hear that prayer. Um, Proverbs twenty-eight, verse nine. 
Ooh, even his prayer is an abomination. You turn away from God's law and you reject God's law, God's not going to answer our prayers. So the person praying has been disqualified, the practice of prayer has been discontinued, and then the, the petition in the prayer has been denied. Um, when a church or a Christian ceases to have their prayers answered, something may be wrong. Of course, God may say, and, and uh, I noticed that uh, Brother Sam, he referred to what comment that I made, I think that, that, that previous lesson, um, God may say no uh, because of the harm it'll do. You know, we love, we, we have children, we love our children, uh, we don't always say yes, and neither does our Heavenly Father. So God can answer our prayers in four ways. No, I love you too much. And remember that no is an answer, right? Just as yes is. Uh, we think that God always has to say yes, but that's not the case. He may say, wait, you're not ready. He may say, yes, I thought you would never ask. And then he may say, yes, and here's more. I like that one right there. So God may deny our petition if our motive is wrong. Um, Part of the problem of unanswered prayer is that of unoffered prayer. James 4.2 says, you have not because you ask not. You have not because you ask not. Jeremiah 33.3 says what? Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. So if we desire to see God's blessings, then prayer must be the thermometer of our church and of our lives. The Bible exhorts us to pray. Luke 18, verse 1, And he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. You had any fainting spells this week? Last week I spent that I spent a week there in the hospital. Three of those days were in intensive care, and uh, there was sadly there were some times that I was fainting, and I, I just I didn't feel like doing anything. But praise God, He He got us through it. First Thessalonians five seventeen says, "Pray without ceasing, always be in an attitude of prayer, regardless of where we are, what we're doing." And so notice that in our text that, that Paul uh, in verse one Paul mentions. All right, look, he says, "I exhort therefore." That first of all, supplications. And that's the first thing he mentions, supplications. That's requests. Um, That's asking. Uh, That's entreating. Praying Praying always, always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. And watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication of all saints. And he says that that was in Ephesians 6 and verse 8. And then he mentions prayers. And, of course, prayers are just earnest, fervent prayer. And we can go into more in-depth into these, but we'll not do that in this evening. Uh, intercessions, that's a petition to intercede uh, for others. Uh, this week, I'm sure we have all prayed for someone else. Uh, it's a selfish person who prays just for themselves and never, ever prays for someone else. So we make intercession for others. And then giving of thanks, thanksgiving. Giving thanks for all things. Um, how many? Uh, you know, there's so many things that we take for granted that we never thank the Lord for. Can you think of something? Give me some examples. Huh? Breathing, Breathing for one thing. Yes, sir. Yeah, we just take it for granted. I mean, just you know, the mulongs going, and hopefully we can breathe God's fresh air. The car starting. Sir? The car starting. The car starting. How silly. 
Excuse me. I'm, I'm just messing with you. The, st- the car starting, of all things. Who would have thought? The traffic lights work. Traffic light work. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Clouds, trees, and rainbows. Rainbows? All right, what else? Have you, ever, have you ever turned on the faucet and said, thank you, Lord, for water? You know, whenever, excuse me for being personal, whenever I take a shower, first thing I do when I turn off that valve, I say, thank you, dear Father, thank you that I can take a shower. It's simple. But man, think of people in this world, Brother Tim, who don't have water, can't take a shower. So it's the little thing, huh? A bucket bath or a sponge bath or whatever. Or go down to the local river and hope there's no piranha or something. Anyway, <laughs> giving of thanks. So let's get down here. What, what, what happens when churches pray then? That, that's what this is about tonight. What happens? Well, first of all, souls are saved. Aren't we praying for the salvation of souls here? Whether it's in here or out there. We ought to put a sign on the door that says, you are now entering the mission field as we go through those doors. And we're praying for the salvation of souls. We're to pray for the lost, for the conversion of the lost. Paul said in Romans 10 verse 1 concerning his people, Brethren, my heart's desire and my prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. We're to pray for men. He says in verses 1-6 through six in our passage here, we're to pray for all men, for God to... To, to, uh, for God's Holy Spirit to convict the hearts of men that they might see their need of a Savior. Paul said, or Peter said in 2 Peter 3 verse 9, the Lord's not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but He's long-suffering. Aren't you glad that He's patient? That's what that long-suffering means. He's patient. To us, we're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so when we pray, when, when, it, when, a, when the local church prays, we're praying for the salvation of souls. That people will come to know Christ as their Savior. If not, then all we are is a social club, right? Yeah, That's it. And then secondly, when churches pray, the saints speak up. Or should. Huh? The saints should speak up. Psalm 66, verse 16, was that say? Ramona, would you like to read that? Psalm 66, 16. And you read Psalm 107, verse 2. And then Ms. Janice, would you mind reading? Okay. Acts 4, 31 through 33. That's what we're to do, isn't it? We're to speak up. And when we pray, we ask God for the boldness that we need and the courage and, 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 and the opportunity. Um, I call those opportunities, I, I call them divine appointments. God sets up those divine appointments, meeting people, speaking to people. And uh, yeah, Psalm 107, verse 2. All right. Let the redeemed of the Lord. Have you been redeemed? Then say so. It's just that simple. Just, just say so. All right. So 
We're to share our faith at every opportunity. 1 Peter 3.15 But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you of the reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Every opportunity. So we're to pray. We're to, we are also to, we're to pray for power and boldness. You ever try to witness someone and your knees are knocking? Uh, look what happened in Acts chapter four, thirty-one through thirty-three. Yes, ma'am. With boldness. It takes boldness that only the Lord can give. And then, um, and then the next thing, the third thing, when churches pray, servants are secured. Did you know there's a shortage of labors? There's a shortage of labors. There really is. Jesus said in Matthew 9, 37, Then saith he to his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. There's always been a shortage of laborers around the world to carry the gospel, to take the gospel to those who've never heard. And so we are, uh, and of course, we're to pray for servants. Uh, Did you know that one of the things we could do here as a church is pray that God will reach down into this congregation, into this fellowship of believers, and call out laborers? This is what Jesus said. He said, pray ye therefore, the Lord of the harvest. And who's that? The Holy Spirit. That he will what? Send forth labors into his harvest. You see, it's his harvest. It's not ours. And uh, so we're to pray for servants. Then God will send forth labors. And, and, and then here's the fourth thing. When, um, when, 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 when churches pray, saints and servants are sustained. Are sustained. We're to pray one for another. Making intercession. We looked at some verses there already. Paul said in several places, he said, Brethren, pray for us. Pray for us. Pray for us. We need your prayers. And so we're to pray one for another. And uh, um, let's see, Matthew 9, verse 38. Jesus said, I already, I already got that verse. Okay. So we're to pray for the needs, that our needs will be met, the needs of others. Philippians 4.19, but my God shall what? Supply. Supply. All your what? Need. Need, according to His riches in Christ Jesus. And then, and then when churches pray, number five, the sick are raised. You can tell I like alliteration, okay? That'll help us remember. Um, each week, I believe that we add and remove requests for those who need God's healing touch. It's in the bulletin or we have a prayer list somewhere don't we yeah have a prayer list there and one of the things we pray for is that god will raise the sick james says five sixteen. confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman availeth much i was thinking about some of the folks we've been praying for here recently that have been affected by it because this church has prayed 
and church, uh, churches all over the country and all, people all over the world who hear about uh, situations that uh, one may be going through. I think about Brother Diego. Man, when we started praying for him when he was in that accident. God's raised him up. And look what he's done. And then I thank you for praying for me during that week in the hospital. Um, no, I believe God answers prayer. And he has on many, many occasions, Doug, for myself. And I'm sure all of us could testify to that. And then finally, let's, let's wrap this up. When churches pray, the Savior is satisfied. Did you know that it, makes, it, it brings joy and gladness to the Lord's heart when we pray? Our prayers delight the Lord. Uh, listen, Psalm uh, Proverbs 15 and verse 8 says, The prayer of the upright is his delight. God delights in his children praying. Now, my children may not have always thought this, but when they came to me with a request, but I did delight in it. I'm glad they came to me and asked me instead of our neighbors or somebody else, right? It pleases him to answer our prayers. Verse 3, he says, he says, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior. It pleases our Lord. It brings delight to him. And, um, and by the way, uh, that word acceptable means well-pleasing. It's well-pleasing to him. It pleases him when, we, when churches pray. And he, when you remember that he's the only means of answered prayer, uh, he, he is our mediator. He's our mediator. Verse 5, for there is only one God, one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. There's no other mediator. It's not the Pope. It's not Mary. It's not Joseph Smith. It's not Allah. It's not Confucius. I remember years ago when we were in England, Brother Jerry, we, uh, <clears throat> we used to, on our way to our services, um, we used to uh, pass uh, a little Catholic church, chapel, whatever you want to call it. And I remember one day, because I was teaching on this, I remember one day, Stopping in, just before then, just before we reached our destination, I stopped and I went out there, and the folks were exiting the building, and there was a nun there, and uh, I had a particular track that I was going to be teaching on and using, and it, I think it says something about ask Mary or something about asking Mary, and uh, so I went up to the nun, and I, I, I said, "May I ask you a question?" I said, uh, "Is it true that?" that I need to speak to the priest before I can have my sins forgiven. And she said, why, yes, of course. And I said, well, is he here? She said, well, no, he's not here today. I said, well, then I can't have my sins forgiven, right? She said, no. She said, you also need to go and ask Mary. You have to ask Mary if she can forgive your sins. And I said, okay, thank you. So I went back and I taught that morning and used that illustration how that... Um, she was telling me that the priest was a mediator. But the Bible says very clearly, there's only one mediator. And I made that clear to her too. I said, you know, the Bible says, and I told her this. So I said all that to say this, that we only have one mediator. That's Christ. And we're to go to him. He intervenes between us or for us on our behalf. 
Jesus said, Whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Brother Doug, you were raised in Catholicism. Okay. Did Mary ever answer any of your prayers? Uh, I don't think so. No. Okay, well, that's a good answer. I say maybe. Would you? Okay. I wouldn't accept that. <laughs> John fourteen thirteen. Whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. So, let's wrap this up. Okay, may may, may the thermometer of this church be hot and acceptable to God. May, may we be known, this, may, may Yellowstone Baptist Church be known as a people of the book and a people of prayer. And I think we're seeing that. As, more, as God has grown this church and people are coming in, uh, I, I think the reason why some folks are coming back is because they've never seen anything like it. Right? Never seen anything, never seen anything like it. And so we Let's be a people of the book. Remember this. Everything rises and falls on the prayer life of the local church. And all, people, all God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you.